electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod. The global economic news that's not nearly as dry as it sounds, we promise. It's a decision on bonds from the Bank of Japan. Text everyone they know and tell them to get off of these bland morning shows and find out about the Japanese yield curve. It matters. SBF's next move. He's leaving the Bahamas, but what will he say in American court? Financial defense attorney Jacob Frankel. I think this feigning ignorance, profuse apologies is not going to work. And it's Netflix and chill season, but other platforms have a fair shot at winning the streaming battles. President of Paramount Media Networks, Chris McCarthy. The winner of this war isn't going to be the one that spends the most money. It's going to be the one who makes the biggest mass commercial hits. Those stories plus 3M out with a potentially life-changing announcement. They just last 10 lifetimes, probably. Do they last forever? Because I think of things like- 10 that. lifetimes is forever That's as what I mean. know it. That's what I mean. It's Tuesday, December 20th, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Let's take a look at what's been happening with the U.S. equity. First up today on the podcast, the Bank of Japan shocked global markets overnight with a surprise tweak to its bond yield policy. The BOJ doubled its cap on 10-year Japanese government bond yields to around half a percent up from the previous limit of a quarter percent. In other words, the Bank of Japan is allowing long-term interest rates to move around in a wider margin than before. This lifted yields on treasuries and bonds in other markets, and the yen in Japan soared. The Bank of Japan governor is Haruhiku Kuroda. He has just two monetary policy meetings left before his term expires in April, but he's keeping busy. He insists that this adjustment to his previous yield curve control policy is an attempt to smooth out the markets and the imbalance between yields on the 10-year bonds and other shorter-term ones. It is not, he urges, a change to Japan's long-running economic stimulus policy. Here's what I mean. Kuroda is the architect of Japan's ultra-low interest rates. They've been negative for a number of years, in contrast to other central banks around the world which have all increased rates to combat inflation. Becky and Joe were really fired up about this announcement, as they'll explain. 50 basis points instead of just 25 oh my God. basis points. <laughs> Sounds like not a lot, but that's doubling the range they were allowing it to do it. Nobody was expecting the bank to do anything like this. By the way, that range is what will happen before the bank actually steps in to stabilize bonds, uh, stabilize rates by buying bonds. The BOJ said that the adjustment is intended to do what they are calling improve market functioning and encourage smoother formation of the entire yield curve while maintaining accommodative financial conditions. But if you ask anybody about this, they will tell you that this is looking like a beginning of the end to Japan's ultra-easy monetary policy. That has been an incredibly long time coming. 
The Japanese 10-year yield was allowed to rise to its highest level since 2015. But again, this is just the latest central bank that is saying we cannot but be accommodating anymore and tightening. I know. The yen actually moved pretty significantly. 0.41. It's not negative. Mean, it's not negative. That's something, it, that I is, mean, that's something in and of itself. It's not yeah. negative. And the yen was a huge mover on this. This marks the yen's strongest level in more than three months. And again, this kind of plays into what we've been talking to with strategists lately who think that the dollar's strength has, has kind of waned at this point. You've seen the hard times, and that can play out in a lot of different ways, too, with multinationals maybe having better earnings with some of their overseas numbers coming in if the dollar's strongest days are past. Um, it's other central banks catching up with what the U.S. central bank has been doing yeah, for a while. Yeah, it hasn't been synchronized. But I, I, would, I would like to have a little seminar on exactly demographically what it is about Japan that, that can get you stuck with negative rates for 20 years or, or zero. Right, and, for, and it's, it is something to do with demographics. It has to do with, with uh, how many kids, population. aging population, yeah. how many kids people are having. It has to do with a, a culture, I guess, some cultural issue. It, it's just hard to wrap your head around exactly what would cause interest rates. I mean, they're soaring to 0.4 percent on a 10 year social promises that they right. made to the people as well. Right. Um, it, Would you invest for 10 years for 0.4 percent? Well, you know what happened is the financials there took off in the Japanese stock market today. The real estate stocks got hit, but the Japanese financials took off to the highest the levels they've seen but for the a Nikkei while. Was yeah. Well, it's been uh, that's the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, when you lose Japan. Uh, right. That, that, that tells you how much tougher central banks are going to have to be. We right? did BOE and ECB and yeah, you BOJ. Can't, you can't wow. stand alone. Alphabet soup. Yeah, right? you can't stand alone. The Swiss National But they're Bank. still way off uh, where we are. Yeah, so. but, they, but the tide has shifted. They're, the rest of them got pulled along because you cannot stand for your currency to get decimated like that, especially in such inflationary times. What you're talking about is a global inflationary period. For people that, that are not watching, they're looking at recipes for Christmas or something, to not know what's going on with the yield curve in Japan. I mean, it's, it actually does. I know. Matter, and this it's is, interesting. And, and it's and, not just that. And it's, it's multifaceted when you talk about all the different implications, why it's like that over there, what it means for, yeah. uh, for uh, foreign exchange movements and the dollar. And what it means for the Japanese buying just our call treasuries your because they're yeah. the biggest purchasers right. of U.S. treasuries, which means it will be much more expensive eventually, potentially. Text or call everyone and tell them to, to turn this on. Debt. They yes. should text everyone they know and tell them to get I off mean, of these 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 bland morning shows and find out about the Japanese yield curve, uh, the abandonment of that uh, or doubling of the uh, of the range. It matters. We got uh, we got this going for us. Elon will tell us new overnight lawmakers unveiled a 2023 spending bill that would avert a government shutdown if passed before uh, current funding ends on uh, Friday. I hope everyone can get there. Friday, what, is some monsoon coming or something, Milana? You've been reading about that? It's going to be, uh, they, they, maybe they need to sleep over. Christmas sure is coming, Joe. This. Christmas is coming. Christmas is, but before that, <laughs> yeah, some bad, some pretty nasty weather. That's right. That's right. they got to make sure everyone can be in person to vote, at least in the Senate, because lawmakers have reached a deal on a $1.7 trillion bill to fund the government for the next fiscal year. The text of this legislation was released overnight and includes $858 billion in defense funding, $45 billion for the war in Ukraine, and $41 billion to combat natural disasters. Now, there are also some unrelated provisions attached to this 4,000-page bill, like the Electoral Count Act, which updates the process of certifying a presidential election 
and a ban on TikTok on federal government devices. Several key tax provisions did not appear to make it into the bill, such as the fix for the R&D tax deduction, restoration of full expensing, and the enhanced child tax credit. Now, both sides acknowledged that they had to make compromises in this, and they vowed to pass the bill this week. Now, the Senate is expected to start moving the bill on the floor today in hopes of passing it on Thursday. The House could then vote on Friday ahead of the midnight deadline to keep the lights on and hopefully avoid that big storm, too. Back over to you. Yep, exactly. Uh, storm, that's the operative. Uh, where we, wanna, we can't avoid one, maybe we can avoid the other. Elon, uh, thank you. It's tough to change the weather, right? Is there going to be snow? I, I, on my uh, AccuWeather, it just says bad rain and winds. It's not cold enough, I don't pleasant. think. I don't think we're yeah. going to have a white Christmas in D.C., but maybe where you are. I don't know about here either. Maybe a little bit uh, north of here. Um, you know what? Christmas uh, next Christmas is like two weeks away anyway. So you know how quickly quick, we just got rid of our tree, honestly, from from last year. I swear to God, we just got rid. I remember uh, carrying it out and cleaning up the needles like last a, week. A little I hope, I hope it's not real, Joe. <laughs> I think time's You're a little not younger. Quite as it's quickly for her. Like for me, it's one fiftieth of my life, approximately. Uh, so for you, it's much uh, much less, Elon. So that's that's how it starts changing. And Christmas could, is my favorite holiday. Is it? Absolutely favorite holiday. <laughs> it yeah. is not. Mine is, uh, well. I like Thanksgiving. I like Halloween. Penelope's pretty good, too. Penelope's birthday. It's just, I, I love everything about Christmas except for the weeks leading up to it and everything you have to do. I need a wife. You do. <laughs> It's it is uh, it's intimidating. It's too. it's huge. It's a huge lift. I mean, I would like Christmas a lot do you more, help, more for all the prep. Do you help Quail find something for you, or is he on his own? Oh, he's on his own. Has he ever gotten anything you liked? Oh yeah. I I have never been successful there unless it's really large and it's really uh, a, a a good clarity. Gotcha, gotcha. But you've you've gotten smarter with age, right? You figured it out. Uh, I couldn't buy clothes, shoes, bags. Um. You can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. Mm. Elon, thank you. We also have some news out of Dow Component 3M this morning, and this is one you're going to want to pay attention to. This is a different kind of announcement. The company says that it's going to stop making those so-called forever chemicals. They've been named that way because they tend to accumulate and they take years to break down in your body. Those chemicals are used in a wide variety of products, things like raincoats, smartphones, medical devices. They're used in, in makeup. They're used in baking pans. They're used in uh, baking sheets and, and, and pans that you use at home. Been huge concerns about them. PFAS, I think, is what they're called, and that is polyfluoroalkyl substances that are manufacturing. They are, make your life easier because they're slick, makes they it a lot easier to clean things, yeah. but they don't break down, and that's been the huge issue. That segment represents about $1.3 billion in annual sales for 3M. The company's going to be taking pre-tax charges of up to $2.3 billion as it phases that business out. It's going to stop making all of these products, phase it out of their portfolio by the end of 2025. But I was just reading a little bit more about it. I'm going home and throwing out these pans right now. Some of the risks that are associated with it could be cancer, liver damage, decreased fertility, and increased risk of asthma and thyroid disease. And there's been debate about this for a long time. If you have big kids at home, you know that they're kind of marketing you non-PFAS products. I've been thinking about throwing out my, my stickless pans for a while. I'm doing it today when I go home. So it might not be that they just last 10 lifetimes, probably. They're, or they're, they're not 
Do they last forever? Because I think of things like ten lifetimes is forever. As that's far what as I mean. Know it. That's what I mean. That's so if it's not going to break down in six hundred years, it's basically it is forever. Not going to yeah. not going to break down. That's what scares me about some radioactive waste too, which is the half life might be a thousand years. Yeah, I want to see Oppenheimer. Yeah, that might. That? That, yeah, I saw. I saw it was, uh, it was coming out. Yeah, who's the direct? I saw the direct, the famous direct, Christopher Nolan. I think. I think it is. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. Uh, I know all about film. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Sam Bankman-Fried is headed home. He's agreed to extradition, swapping Bahamian prison for the American courts. Attorney and former SEC lawyer Jacob Frankel with what's likely to come for the disgraced FTX founder. Ultimately, and probably in not too distant future, he's going to enter a guilty plea, and I think he's going to cooperate. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried was sent back to a Bahamas jail yesterday after a reported plan for him to waive his extradition to the United States stalled. He arrived to court in a blue suit and a white shirt and was visibly shaking. He spoke briefly to answer the judge's questions and was told by a court officer to stand up straight. Whoa. His Bahamian defense attorney appeared to be at odds with his U.S. legal team. He told the court that he was shocked that Bankman-Fried was there in person and that he had not requested his presence at the hearing. Reports over the weekend said that he would consent to extradition, but in court he demanded to see a copy of his federal indictment before agreeing to return to the United States. After the hearing closed, he reportedly told his lawyer to proceed with extradition hearings. Now, a source tells CNBC that Bankman-Fried is expected to make an appearance at another court hearing at 10 a.m. Eastern time today, where he will forfeit his extradition rights. Weird to go from a 30-year-old that has $17 billion and a penthouse in, in the Bahamas to it, possibly spending the rest of your life uh, incarcerated, possibly. Yeah, it, it seems like it would be a hard thing to get your head around. Um, well, you wouldn't want to... Be facing that. I, I mean, is there any hope to ever see see the light of day? Well, anything could happen. I, I was hearing this morning, and I have a hard time believing this. That part of the decision to waive his extradition right is that he's hoping to get bail in the United States, which he has been unsuccessful 
getting in the Bahamas after repeated requests. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking that the United States would give him bail. We talked about that again. Okay, so I'm, I don't have to report to serve till May. You know how fast May would, would come if you were... I just would think he was a huge flame And you'd risk. just be... Oh, I would too. But I'm saying if you know you're going eventually and you're going to be there a long, long time, I don't know how you get your... You see Weinstein guilty. I did. I did. To go Harvey from Weinstein. here to, to a, like a movie guy, you know, Academy Awards, yeah. tuxes, beautiful wife to... I mean, that is Shakespearean. Yeah, but don't do terrible things. No, I know. I'm not saying, I'm certainly not defending him or comparing Bankman Fried to him, just saying that people can go from, I mean, it's, and you shouldn't, yeah. you, you should never assume you're just going to stay here and, and, and you, you can't should, be you here. Can, you can look at white collar crime and say it's not the same, but it, it destroys people's lives just Harvey's the same. Harvey's was a lot worse than white, white collar. You would yeah, think. although, like, look, if you've ever lived through losing anything like that, people lose money and it can destroy all kinds of lives too. Right. It's, um, but then again, you always say anything that can be, you know, Anything that yes, that, that absolutely, if you have to do it. Right, don't lose your, your sight. But if the accusations are correct, he will have effectively stolen more money than Madoff. Right. Uh, eh, not inflation adjusted. We still call it a Ponzi scheme. We were going to call it a Madoff, a Madoff scheme, scheme for a while. Until it's a Bankman-Fried scheme. All right, now we want to bring in Jacob Frankel. He is former senior counsel in the SEC's Division of Enforcement. He is now the chair of the Government Investigation and Securities Enforcement Practice at Dickinson Wright. And, and Jacob, let's walk through what happened yesterday because it was weird. It was kind of confusing. Um, his attorney locally saying that this was a decision he was making to go ahead with extradition that was against his best and strongest legal advice. What, how, how do you digest all of this? How would you say things are playing out? I, I think walking through chaos would probably be the best way to describe it. I mean, I think it's something that's unprecedented. I've been practicing law 37 years. I've worked on international extradition matters involving securities fraud cases, and it's something I've never seen before because, to me, close coordination with local counsel is critical. I mean, one of the things we talked about on Friday was, was to an extent, Bankman-Fried's gamesmanship. And I guess one of the questions is whether the request to see the indictment uh, reflected his having been told that there was likely to be a much more robust indictment that would be forthcoming as a foundation for for its ultimate extradition. But I think, yeah, I, I just, I really think it was just a, a fundamental lack of communication and lack of coordination that we saw yesterday. Now he's planning to waive extradition, which to me simply means he's coming back. He'll probably be arraigned in a U.S. court. I would think as early as tomorrow. And I interpret that to mean, even though. Again, as we discussed on Friday, I think his best strategy, consistent with what the Bahamian lawyer was saying, was that he should not be waiving and should be fighting extradition, is that he's coming back to the United States. He's going to appear in court, I think, ultimately, and probably in not too distant future, he's going to enter a guilty plea, and I think he's going to cooperate. So at this point, you think he's going to throw himself at the mercy of the court. I mean, th this is not someone who is not legally astute. Both of his parents are lawyers. They are professors at Stanford Law School. Um, are they advising him separately? Can you make heads or tails of this? Or is he just ignoring them too? <laughs> it really is impossible to figure out what is going on. I mean, you know, the one that, the, you know, as we've talked about, Friday we talked a little bit about conspiracy theories. You know, one of the questions is, you know, was yesterday a little bit of an act too, you know, in order to, at some point to be able to say, I really did not understand 
the proceedings before me. I did not understand the proceedings in the Bahamas. I did not understand what extradition was going to mean. But ultimately, there's going to be a dialogue between him and the court, whether it's the court in the Bahamas or the court in the United States, in which he is going to have to acknowledge that he everything has been explained to him. He understands the proceeding and he's knowingly waiving whatever rights he would have, whether it be to contest extradition or ultimately as part of a guilty plea, including you know waiver of his of his appeal rights. So you know from whom he's getting personal counsel, you know we don't know. But at the same time, I think what we saw yesterday was fundamentally a lack of communication coordination um, bet- between and among the lawyers more than anything else. But you're you're saying that that wouldn't fly if he later tries to say I didn't know what I was doing. I none of this that 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 won't fly because it's all been explained to him and he has chosen to waive his right. Exactly. And we've actually gone through a history in the U.S. system um, and in the in the international extradition legal processes where this, you know, the practice of making sure a defendant understands fully the rights that he or she has, the rights that are being waived are part of the communication before the judge actually rules. So I think if it's an act, it's going to fail. I heard speculation earlier that he was doing this because he thought he might be more likely to get um, out on bail in the United States. His attempts to do that in the Bahamas have been unsuccessful. He's made repeated attempts at that. You think there's any chance that he would get bail in the United States? Because I would think he's a huge flight risk. That's that's a great question. I think initially there is no way he is going to get bail. Um, or the bail would just be astronomical, such that it would he's not be of, potentially. He's got a lot right. of I, I don't, money. I don't potentially, think he, he could have squirreled away somewhere. Exactly, but I seriously doubt that 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 he is going to get bail. But if in fact he does co he enters a guilty plea, does cooperate, and then is working with a bankruptcy trustee, is working with the new CEO, is working with uh, federal prosecutors to to explain what ha- happened to the extent that you know that he's able to do so, then I think it is conceivable that down the road. Um, he could get bail before sentencing, but I really view it as highly unlikely. What do you think when he has put on this, you know, he did a, he did a media tour, a pretty extensive media tour before, um, and basically said, oh, I didn't realize what I was doing. Do you believe him? Is that an argument that holds water in the court, Jacob? No, it absolutely, absolutely does not hold water when, you know, I mean, what we're talking about there is the whole concept of, you know, of, of criminal, of criminal negligence. What, you know, what is, what was lost in sort of that whole discussion is, you know, cr- you know criminal negligence, sort of a you know, nice try, but it's not going to fly when you don't have in place any governance, any record keeping systems. And as we were discussing on Friday, this is just a straight out fraud, embezzlement, misappropriation. I mean, I think the government can prove intent. What's interesting is what people often think, people when we're talking about criminal intent, think about the affirmative intent to deceive. We actually have in the law um, what I I call three substitutes for for criminal intent. Basically, it's willful blindness, uh, deliberate ignorance, and conscious avoidance. They all mean the same thing. But fundamentally, we're some, it's the old ostrich in the, you know, ostrich head in the sand defense. It doesn't work. Where someone has affirmative obligations, responsibilities, and ignores those, ignores signs, that is a substitute in law for criminal intent. I think I think this feigning ignorance, profuse apologies, 
is not going to work. All right, Jacob, thank you. Up next on Squawk Pod, the scoop on streaming with the president of Paramount Media. But we promise no spoilers. I just saw an ep- where, where something just happened where... Don't tell me. I'm not, but the, you know, something just happened in Tulsa King. Which is my, like my eyes were like, whoa. Tulsa King, Yellowstone, Survivor, and the streaming wars right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe, his mic, Q. Paramount's latest Yellowstone prequel, 1923, broke the record for Paramount Plus as its most uh, watched premiere ever, gaining over 7.4 million views across linear and streaming. This brings focus on the streaming wars where uh, more networks are battling for more attention and subscribers. Joining us now is Chris McCarthy, uh, Paramount Media Networks and MTV Entertainment Studios uh, president and CEO. Chris, it, it's just, I saw it in the notes, what you said, that the, the, uh, the media companies that have the biggest hits consistently have streaming figured out. The more things change, doesn't matter what the pipes are or how you get the content, you need the best content, and then everything takes care of itself. And it's no question the space is getting more crowded and more competitive, uh, but our strategy is laser-focused on making the biggest mass commercial hits possible, and that allows us to break through a lot of the clutter, but it also allows us to appeal to everybody from the center of the country to the coast, each coast. And then we not only make those big hits, but we franchise them in real time, like we did with 1923 and the year prior with 1883. And those series not only are driving our traditional business, but also driving our streaming business. And it's why you look at every month this past year, we are the most downloaded streaming service with signups, according to Antenna Research. Our strategy is working, and that's why we're having tremendous success. So what do you got, key life insurance uh, on Taylor Sheridan? Do you let him leave? Has he got to stay home at all times and like some uh, uh, secure, undisclosed location? What's with that guy? How does he, does he got help? Does he have help? Listen, Taylor is a one-of-a-kind special creator. And, you know, in fact, his strategy is one that aligns with ours. It's about making the biggest mass hits and making them in beautiful cinematic environments with big movie stars, but writing them about stories that are universally appealing. These are about stories about family, they're about power dynamics, corruption, and it's about making and protecting what's yours. And it's why from 1883 to Yellowstone to our latest hit uh, this past a couple weeks ago with Sylvester Stallone, Tulsa King, these series are appealing not only to everybody in the US, but around the world. And it's a big part of our strategy. I mean, you know, Yellowstone and Taylor are just one of our many big franchises, whether it's South Park or SpongeBob or Star Trek, our whole strategy is built around creators and franchises that big go big and beyond any uh, one particular show. Yep, seen Tulsa King too, and I, I just saw an ep- where, where something just, just happened where 
Don't tell me. I'm not, but the you know, a couple of scenes in Yellowstone uh, that are just so violent. That I don't. I guess I like it or something. But something just happened in Tulsa King, don't. which is my like my eyes were like whoa. Uh, and seeing Stallone do it was pretty cool too. At 77 years old, gives us or Sam Elliott at uh, basically 80 riding around uh, on a horse, which is so cool. These actors and actresses are at the prime of their game, and uh, and they're universally appealing, not only here in the U.S., around the world. Uh, and Tulsa is a great example uh, of our franchise strategy, you know, using the Yellowstone universe to launch a brand new series and then appealing to everybody and bringing in more and more signups, uh, driving the biggest value we can and getting people like yourself to talk about those series and help ensure those and, and we really build out the buzz. And it's why we're having such tremendous success. We need to talk to business, but I, I just get you know, infatuated talking about, I mean, Tim McGraw, who knew? What an actor. And uh, I didn't watch that last episode because I don't want to see it. I know what happens and I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I was that involved. I was that involved with the whole story that I don't want to see that ending. I'm sorry. I just, I haven't watched it. Because it made you think of Blake, right? Love that. Just knowing something's going to happen before. You know, if it just happened quickly, I would have been okay. But knowing that I was going to watch it happen, I didn't want to see it. So, but who's going to win, Chris, in, in streaming? And, and, how many will be left at that point? And, you know, cord cutting, there's no point to cord cut anymore. You can't cord cut. You gotta, you're doing the same thing with streaming. I'm getting out all these. At least it's all in one bundle when you, with your cord. Streaming, I got way too many things. Listen, the winner of this war isn't going to be the one that spends the most money. Uh, it's going to be the one who makes the biggest mass commercial hits. And when doing that, you're making an eye towards profitability much quicker and much more efficiently. And what I can tell you is that's why we're laser focused on making these big mass commercial hits and turning them into franchises to really fuel the future of Paramount Plus, because the windows are going to have those big mass commercial hits. And from where we sit, we feel pretty great about that. Do you see a uh can you tell whether we're going into a recession or not? Is, is this totally inelastic a stream? I, I wouldn't think it is. You know, listen, consumers uh, are always about making the biggest, uh, following the biggest hits and, and going with the most buzz. You know, regardless of where the environment is in the economy, you know, content is key to consumers and big hits break out from the pack. And it's why we're doing so well. You know, every month this past year, we were, ex uh, almost every month, we were the number one most downloaded streaming service. And so, you know, staying local folk, laser focused on those big hits is proving wildly successful. And we're just getting started. We have lots more room to grow. Chris, I, I, the only caveat I'd, I'd give you is I've been through a lot of uh, upfronts and, and I just remember the way it used to be. And NBC would be, we'd have Friends and Seinfeld, and we'd have, and then next year, we'd be dead last at different times over the past 30 years or whatever it is. And you live by the sword, die by the sword. You may have no hits next year. I mean, how do you, how do you manage, how do you plan for that? Listen, you know, our business is, has always been rooted in, in the mass commercial business, whether that's in cable or broadcast uh, with CBS. And across you know, the last 20 years, no one's been uh, number one in more demos and more genres than CBS or MTV Entertainment Studios. Uh, and that's why we're having that big success in the streaming world, because we're not making shows that are appealing to just the coast. We're making that, uh, that are appealing to the center of the country and the coast and around the world. And it's why uh, this franchise strategy will continue to deliver, and we feel so great about it. We're taking the big hits and making them bigger while taking the calculated new bets like Tulsa King uh, and doing that with big global movie stars and their delivery. Yeah, I think, and that was years ago when NBC was last, because we subsequently came back to number one. Yes. I think, and uh, aren't we still number one? CBS isn't number one now, is it, Chris? 
most watched network. Yeah, that's it's just, I don't, you're using some figures that you're, you, you, yeah, I don't know, you're massaging those numbers. They got, I used to give Les Moonves, who was gone, I used to give him grief uh, about, you still have Survivor on? These people are still surviving after 30, 40 years? Or, how do you, and he goes, Joe, we don't care about you anyway, as far as the demo. We don't care whether you watch. That was cruel that he said that to me, Chris. But is Survivor still on? Too? It is still on. Uh, my, my partner, George Cheeks, uh, makes that show, does a phenomenal right. job. And it's really the power of global IP. <laughs> Audiences come back for that franchise uh, each and every season. Still and surviving. Still surviving. Still surviving. I, I know. I would argue. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Chris. Good to Great have to you on. Right. Good, good so luck. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, Harrison Ford, I haven't seen this new one yet. Have oh, you? I'm dying to see that. Yeah. We're, you know, we're looking forward. We're talking about it, Chris. So that's what you need. But... You know, you got to do it every year. That's the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now and follow us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.